I'm glad I know who he is. And I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad to be here with you. Amen. You can be seated. Don't leave this worship. There is a tenderness of the presence of God here today. And it's not accidental. What we're experiencing in the house was pre-planned and preordained by the Lord. And uh, it just feels really good. I'm thankful for how God orchestrates things. And I want to just kind of share my heart with you today because I want to talk about you. Because I believe that the Lord has united this body of believers together. And I believe that God has foreordained that there would be a church and predestined that there would be a church. And I believe that we have stepped into the spirit of the church that he wanted to have in this day and age. And I don't say that lightly, but I do believe that God has called Spirit of Grace Church to be a specific family of God. And we do not just say lightly that when you come here, the first time you come you're a guest, but the next time you're just one of us. Because we feel very strongly in the power of the family of God. And uh, there's an old song, and and I'm not going to sing it because I won't remember all the words anyhow, but the song said, I'm so glad that I'm a part of the family of God. I'm so glad that I'm a part of it. I'm glad that I'm a part of Spirit of Grace Church. I mean, there's all kinds of churches, and, and I understand that, and I've been a part of them, and I've been around them, but I love this church which means I love you because the building can frustrate me from time to time. (laughs) Scare the fire out of me when that compressor goes off and I wasn't expecting it. I'm reading from Colossians chapter 1. I so appreciated Randy's lesson today. He, uh, He prepared the way for the message today. And uh, I'm thankful that God... And for those of you that are newer to our church, our adult Sunday school class, our teachers that come up here, uh, I I don't tell them what to teach or speak on. I don't uh, tell them really anything except for uh, do a good job. And uh, they are led by the Lord. And most often, God just ties our messages together in some way. And I'm thankful for that. But I want to share with you something that I think has gotten lost in the last couple of years. Now, I'm thankful for technology until it doesn't work. And then when it doesn't work, I get really frustrated. It really frustrates me when we walk out afterwards and Owen says, well, it all froze up. We didn't get any of the service. Not so much that we can't put it out online and help somebody else, but 
you know, I've got all of our messages for the last how many ever years we've been recording, I've got those all archived. We've got all of those. And, uh, and we're always looking to increase and make better our options. But uh, technology has been a deterrent for some to really grasp a hold of the power of the family of God. Because I know that there are people, and, and don't misunderstand me, there's people that physically cannot get to a church like this where people are meeting together. I know that there are people that, the old term is called shut-ins. They just can't get out, and this is the greatest tool that we can get the presence of God and the message and the word of the Lord to them. I get that. But there's a lot of people that just think that it's easier to sit on a couch in their pajamas and watch a service and think they're getting what God really wants. The problem with that is what technology has done, it has desensitized what the body of Christ is really all about. It has descent because it's not just the preached word that is the anointed word. It's the body in action. I can't. I'll get ahead of myself. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Paul is addressing the fact that God has called him to be a minister to a new dispensation. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations but now is made manifest to his saints. Everybody say, that's us. It's clear to us now. It should be obvious to us. Verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And uh, I want to preach to you the importance of the church this is why you, I want you to leave today understanding why you in that seat is important. It's not only important, it's a necessity for the kingdom of God to, to advance. It's the mystery that is revealed in today, well, since Paul, but it's a revelation of the power of God in a local assembly. It's... It's something that the Old Testament prophets wanted to look into, but they never were able to experience. If you read a Roman, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, it's what's called the Hall of Faith, and all these people of faith, and, 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 and at the end it says, they all wanted to receive what you have, but they weren't able to. We have been placed in an era or an age, a dynamic, where the church of God, the body of Christ, according to the book of Ephesians, fitly framed together, which is what Randy mentioned, fitly framed together, a body of believers 
is the expression of Almighty God himself. The church is so important because the church is the revelation of the mystery. It's the thing that people are looking for, to have the mystery of God revealed to them. You are important to the kingdom of God. Now, let me just take a two-minute teaching session on prophecy. In the Old Testament, um, in a lot of classes that you'll go to, they'll teach about the mountaintops of prophecy. And the reason is, is because in biblical days especially, but in Jewish culture and Jewish understanding, there was the present and then the day of the Lord. Okay? That, that was their basic two, everything was divided into two. Okay, and, and we can read about that, or you can read about how Jesus interrupts that. And, and uh, I can't remember the exact chapter, but he pulls out the book of Isaiah and he reads, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's quoting from Isaiah, and he gets down to it, and the Bible specifically it has to be Luke, because he was the specific dude. He, he wrote, uh, and, and when he got to this certain passage of, the, of Isaiah that he was reading, the Bible says, and he closed the book, and Jesus said, this day is the scripture fulfilled. And where he closed the book, eliminated the judgments of God that were to come. It just was the blessing and the miracles of God. And Jesus closed the book and said, now this is fulfilled. There's going to come another day when the rest of Isaiah is fulfilled. But right now, there's something new going on. And so the Old Testament prophets, when they prophesied, they saw the present and they saw the age to come. And so when you see their prophecies, they missed, there was a mystery, the Bible calls it, that they did not see as they prophesied of the age to come. They only saw what they were living in and then they saw the last days. They missed something because it was a secret of God, it was hidden of God, and what that secret is is now manifest through the church. And the reason it's manifest through the church is because the Old Testament prophets didn't understand God interceding on man's behalf by becoming a man. That's why the Jews missed Jesus. That's why they rejected him. Because they were, they were stuck in their this is today and the age to come. They're expecting their Messiah to come. Still today, the Jews are expecting a Messiah to come sweeping in in military force, in governmental activity, to overcome the, the, the things that this world has allowed to happen to the nation of Israel. And, and there is coming a day, the Bible says, when he'll come riding on a white horse. But what they missed is that Jesus came as a baby first and grew in wisdom and stature and died on a cross for us and resurrected and ascended and promised that he would come and be with us again. And now the mystery has been revealed that it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, here's what's interesting about this passage. And, and, and I don't want to get too deep into the breakdown of words. But as God was speaking to me this week about this message, 
which seemed to come out of the blue. It didn't have anything to do with what I see happening in the future other than the church is the church. And then Randy gets up and does his deal, and I realize, well, okay, God's got a plan after all. The word you there, and this is, again, why you can't just trust your English. If you look into what the Greek word is for the word you, and specifically for this verse, it's written in what is called the dative plural. It's a dative plural word for the word you, which means that there has to be two or more when it's talking about you. So the mystery isn't that God's presence dwells in me, Tim Sanders, but the mystery is that God dwells in you. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Listen, that's not just an encouragement to know that when you get together with two or three, that's the mystery that the prophets didn't see, is that when you and I gather together, that there is a power and an anointing and a presence of Almighty God that comes among us to lead us and to guide us. That's why the church is important. I, I, I won't... You'll never see me. I'm 51 years old. The church has always been a part of my life, and it always will be a part of my life. It's the most important part of my life as far as what I do because my family will fall apart if I don't have the church. Now, don't get me wrong. Parents, you have to understand, one hour on Sunday isn't going to make it for your kids. You're going to have to live it yourself. You're going to have to teach it yourself. You're going to have to raise them. But you've got a church here that is in support of what you're trying to do. We'll give you the tools necessary to help through the week. And our kids' staff will are always prepared and they plan and they and they have the uh, prayed up prayed up and and they've got everything together and and they're presenting something to your children that those children are going to remember forever. The church, the church. I need to just give you, have I established that you're important yet? Do you get that? Can I tell you that the reason why I pray harder when you're not here, it's not because we missed your offering. It's not because we missed you in the church house. Although those all apply, it's not because I miss seeing your smiling face. But what makes me worry or be concerned when people miss church is because I'm missing out and others are missing out on what you bring to the body. It's like leaving your hand at home. Now, I don't mean to be weird or gross or anything, but my roommate my first year of Bible school, was a, he was a great guy. He, he did everything uh, in our room. I never had to do anything. He was a blessing, blessing, blessing. And, but what was funny about him was that he had one arm. And, and he had a prosthetic. And uh, every once in a while, that prosthetic would just irritate him, so he'd leave it in the room. I'm like, well, so then you'd walk 
you'd, you'd see him outside of the room, and he, he wouldn't have it on, and he, it just was different. And then he would put one on that was mechanical, and it could crush an open pop can. And, and there was a friend of mine that came and visited, and he was, you know, 6'3", bodybuilder. I mean, he was a moose, and he had him literally on his knees in tears because he was shaking his hand so hard. I said that to say this. My friend would have been the first person to tell you that there were times where because his body wasn't whole that something was missing. When you're not here, something's missing in the body. And can I just tell you that our body, this body of spirit of grace, is not even whole yet because there's now there's people that have places to fill within the body that haven't even darkened our doors. We're an unwhole body right now. But until Jesus comes, there's always place for one more. See, here's, here's what I find in the, in the church. I, I just got a couple of quick points of why the church is so important. Number one, the church gives me structure. Now, I know that sometimes we think we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants and things aren't just, you know, haven't met the clock, haven't met the, the details, haven't had all the pan, uh, handouts, the technology sometimes. But it's a, it gives me a structure. It gives me a structure to raise my boys in. It gives me a structure for me to find my comfort zone in God. It gives me a people that I can practice what God is putting in without judgment, hopefully. It's easier for me to come into the church and walk over to one of you and say, I believe God is asking me to pray for you, could I pray for you, than it is for me out in the grocery store to some stranger when God says, mm, uh, go pray for him, and you're like, mm. I don't hesitate in here with you or when we're together because you're family. You're part of the structure that God has placed around me to learn how to operate in the moving of the Spirit so that when I get out there, I have already identified in my spirit when God is moving me and I become more effective to those around me because of the structure that you give me. The church. I've got to tell you, through the years, it's, it's not always the message that I remember. I've got some, some messages that I've heard through the years that have, that have really stuck up there. But I can tell you that in my two-year-old and three-year-old class, Seal Sanders was my Sunday school teacher. I can tell you in my four-year-old class, it was Joyce Van Ness. I can tell you in my kindergarten class, it was Sister Lil Feldick. In my sixth and seventh grade class, I can tell you that Dan and Bonnie Weisbrod were my Sunday school teacher. Are you starting to get the picture here? 
I can take you to my nine and ten-year-old class, and I can take you and show you where Tim Olson taught me. I can take you up to my sixth grade year and seventh grade year and eighth grade year, which was the middle uh, uh, age group, and my dad was one of the teachers. A man by the name of uh, Brother McDaniels, who was a member of the school, came and taught in our, I remember in high school, I remember that it was Greg Schrader was our youth leader, and he was our teacher. I remember those. I can take you down every section of the church that I was raised in, and I can draw out names from you. I can draw out people from you. Were they perfect? No. Did it matter? No. Because I knew where they were at on Sunday. I can go down. Now, we had pews. Everybody know what that is? It means they're separated chairs, or not separated chairs, one long bench. I can go down three benches back on the right-hand side from the platform because the teenagers sat up in the front too. On the third back, you can go at the very end was Roger Schaefer. Next to him was Joel Winnikoff. Next to him was Roger or, uh, Ray Starr. Next to him was Brad Larson. Call me a freak, but I remember where people sat. I remember that three rows behind them were Ray and Mary Klepper. Over on this side is where Brother uh, Bai sat and Sister Lundquist sat. Over here is where all the ladies sat and there was Sister uh, Lindquist and, and some others that would sit there. And I could tell you where these people sat. Why? Because the church gave me structure as a kid. And it was more important to me to be where those people were because I found out at a very young age where those people were, Jesus was. And you may not remember my messages and you may not remember exactly what is taught in the Sunday school or what song is sung by the praise team, but I can promise you long enough that you would be able to remember the people because the church is not a building. It is the people that have gathered together in the anointing of a God. Gives us structure. Gives us structure. It gives collaboration. It, it, it balances us. Listen, the church gives us balance. And I'm going to keep referring to my past just because I don't want to embarrass anybody here. But there are people in my past that some of you represent. Can I tell you, there was a, a lady, I, I barely remember her because she passed on before I was too young, but her, her sister Verdea, I knew her son and her daughter-in-law and her kids more than, than I knew her, but she would get up to testify and the fire would break out. I remember, I've, I've mentioned to you some other, I've mentioned to you Victoria Booker, who for decades was, re, was, was basically bedridden, and they would push her hospital bed down the center aisle of the church, and she would have church from her hospital bed. I remember, I've told you, I remember going to do hospital calls with my dad to, to, to cheer her up, and we'd walk in, and there would be a big smile on her face, all in pain, and she would say, isn't the Lord good? 
Listen, I got all kinds of different people in my background that have made me what I am because I've watched them. I studied them. I realized that some of them had come from backgrounds that were just terrible and their worship was maybe a little bit different than the stoic Minnesotan. And I understood the difference. It's the reason why I challenge you. Don't get lost in how somebody worships. You don't know their story. And it takes all kinds to make a body. It takes all kinds to make a church. Naman loves with us today. It's good to see him. Some of you that are newer, he's been around the block a time or two with us. But I remember when he first came. When he first came, he stuck out like a sore thumb. For, Pat, for, for my wife and I, it was a good stick out. It was like, yes! <laughs> I'll tell you why. We were in that building. It was a lot smaller. And this church had still not hit, and hit their, their, their stride in worship. I'll just put it that way. And Naman La came. And I was sitting down in the front. And I heard our Liberian brother. He wasn't very quiet. He, he was a little bit different. He came from a little bit of a different culture. But can I tell you what? The reason why this church is so free in worship today is because God sent people like him that broke the ice for some of the rest of us. It collaborated with us. It moved us. It, it changed us. It formed us. And you are doing the same thing even today. I'll just tell you, there's a lot of churches that would have shut down when they found out there were no instruments. But we stepped into some deep waters today because it's the church. The church is a place of safety. I know in this setting, somebody's watching over me. And you need to understand today, because you're a part of this church, there's somebody watching over you. There's somebody that has your back. There's somebody that's praying for you. They may not even know your name, but they're praying for you. There's somebody that's lifting you up. How do I know they're praying for you? Because there are some people that have gone through this sanctuary and prayed over every empty chair that whoever sat in that chair would find the grace and mercy of God. So if you're sitting in one of these chairs, you've already been prayed over. Listen, this is the couple hours when we gather together where it's peaceful. I don't think about the bills. I don't think about the troubles. Are they there? Yeah. Are, have there been some struggles? Have there been some fights? Have there been a little bit of stress? Has worry taken some of us? But something happens when we gather together with the church and we walk into the house of the Lord and we begin to worship the one that's in and among us. 
the presence of God moves across us. And for just a few hours of time, we don't worry about what's going on at the house. We don't worry about what's going on at the job. We just get lost in the presence of God. And while we're lost in that presence, God is giving us divine strength so that when we leave here, the bills are still there, but they're not as big. The boss is still crabby, but not as much. And I wasn't talking about your wives. See, I had to help Randy out a little bit today because he's got a lot of trouble at home this afternoon. The church is a place of healing. Yes, it's a place for physical healing. But more than that, it's a place where you can be made whole. Listen, the body is designed, our natural bodies are designed to heal itself. Okay, that's how God designed it to be. Because we're created in his image. There is no sickness or disease in God. Okay? The, the sin is what caused all that to come into being. So in our created state, we are built to allow our bodies to heal ourselves. And, and it's the reason why that part of the reason why our bodies are so messed up is because we haven't taken care of them. And I understand that. But when you gather together with the church, you are designed to be made whole. You're not quite getting that. You see, in our bodies, physically, we've got something that's pumping right here. And what it's pumping is all the blood that goes through all of our body and cycles out and in and out and in. And the oxygen that we take in and the carbon dioxide that we get, the process that God created in us is such an amazing process. But what some of what happens is that heart that pumps the blood, it sends the blood into the innermost part of your body and it collects the heat and pulls the heat out so, that it, so you don't overheat so that you don't burn up. And it, then it brings the cool, and then what it does is it brings the warm blood back out and it warms the outside of your body. And it's a continual process. And, and the process, I believe, is called homeostasis. And, and when, that, when that's happening and functioning, and there's a pumping of the, the heart that pushes the blood through the body, it literally takes the toxins of the body and removes them and replaces them and strengthens them. When the church gets together as the body, there is a beating that's taking place. Whether it's Wednesday night, Thursday night, whether it's a fellowship on Friday or Saturday, when the body where two or three gather together in his name, there is a beating that's taking place. There's a pumping that's taking place. The heart of God is, is pushing blood throughout the body. The thing is, is it's not our blood. It's the blood of Calvary. It's the purest blood known. It's the, it's the perfect cleansing power of the blood of the Lamb and his 
his spirit is, is pumping the blood through the body so that if I'm on fire of the Holy Ghost and Jason's had a rough week and he's a little bit cold in the spirit, as the Holy Ghost pumps through me, the spirit reaches for him and begins to warm him up and the blood begins to flow from Jason over to Andy and from Andy over to Terry and from Terry over to Dwayne and all of a sudden there is a healing process that begins to take, the church is important. Designed to be whole. Listen, I promise you that if you come to this church and it doesn't matter what event it is, Sunday, prayer, chain breakers, catalyst, any of it, men's, women's, children, Sunday school, when you come together, if you come together and you determine in your heart to just get involved, I promise you that you will leave and you will feel much better. Because your body is, this body is designed to be made whole. Do you want to know how I know that this, this particular body of believers is united how I know that there's a unity in this church, it's not because we all agree. Because there, there's some of us that probably have some, don't always agree with one another. I mean, I wish I could tell you that my wife agreed with me all the time. But if I said that, I'd have to pray through. And if it can happen in a marriage, it can happen in a body. So unity isn't agreement. <laughs> unity is not when your left arm says to your right arm to do something and it does it. That's not really unity. Can I tell you what unity is? Unity is when every member of the body is doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing so that the body becomes whole. My left foot is not supposed to walk like my right foot does. My left hand is not supposed to work like my right hand does. My left brain is not supposed to work like my right brain. I just want to hopefully that they're working at least some. I, I just, I, I, what I'm trying to say is when each member does their part, that's when the body becomes united. And when the body is united, it releases the anointing power of God all around us. And I'll tell you, I, I'm just about done. Give me about five minutes more. People have asked, well, pastor, why don't you have communion all the time? This is me. This is our church. We answer to God. There's other churches that believe you need to have communion every Sunday. I understand that. I get that. But traditionally, the quote-unquote church has labeled that there's two main sacraments to a church, baptism and communion. The problem with that is I don't believe baptism is a sacrament. I believe baptism is a burial and a resurrection. You're 
put your dead person in the watery grave, you come up a new creature. That's more than a sacrament. And communion, as I study it, Jesus said it this way, as often as you do this, do in remembrance of me. Okay, never told us how often it's supposed to be. So then I go over to where Paul, in the book of Corinthians, addresses communion. And if you read the entire passage, instead of the two verses that repeat what Jesus said, can I tell you what that entire passage is about? Disunity. He tells the Corinthian church, you've got some problems in the church, and because of the lack of unity in the body there, that's why you're experiencing some sickness and disease and heartbreak and there's fighting and infighting and you're not taking care of one another and you're not blessing one another. And so here's what you need to do. Have communion. And so here at Spirit of Grace Church, we pull out communion at certain points of the year because we do believe in communion. But if I pull out communion just in the middle of, uh, of no special reason, just because we're going to have communion, what it means is that God has revealed to me that there is something that is not in unity. And so the unity, because the word remember means to remember. Put the member back together. It's not just a mental ascent that reminds us that Calvary happened. I don't need communion to remember that Calvary happened, but sometimes I need communion to put the body back together. And that's why it's the body and the blood put back together, and you have that communion service, and all of a sudden you can feel the disunity melt away. I, I, I don't begrudge anybody, any other church that does communion every week. That's up to their pastor, up to what God. But for, for me and for the way I see it in Scripture and for the way I've received it from the Lord is that communion is designed to bring unity to the body. But if we're a body that's already united, if we're already functioning the way that God is intending to, I believe that the body is designed to heal itself. The last thing is this. The church is designed so that anybody can come to the table. I am so amazed by King David. History, culture, tradition. He blasted it all out of the water when he went to his servant and said, go find me any living person from Jonathan's household. Because tradition, history, 
and culture said that David should have annihilated anybody of Jonathan's line because Jonathan's line could, uh, could arise and take over the throne. But David was comfortable in his own skin. David was comfortable in who God designed him to be. And if, and if any of Jonathan's family was going to rise up, then so be it, God would take care of them. So David goes and he says, I, I find out if there's anybody that's still alive from the line of Jonathan. And come to find out there was one boy named Mephibosheth. I've preached about him before. I called him Phoebe because I couldn't say Mephibosheth the whole day. His nanny grabbed him when he found out that Jonathan and Saul had been killed and tried to escape because he knew the boy's life was in danger. And as she was leaving and racing away, she dropped him. And he became a crippled boy. And David called for Mephibosheth, come to the king's table. Now, in those days, that would freak me out. I'm the one living member of the household of Saul. And now the king that took over for Saul is calling me into his house. Not a good sign. Not a good sign. But when Mephibosheth gets there, David tells his servants, create another plate for him at my table. And don't put him down at the other end away from me. Put him right next to me at the table. He was welcomed even though he was of the enemy's bloodline. Somebody get this. He didn't have anything to offer the king. He couldn't even really work a job. He had been banished and put out and in hiding. And yet the king said, come on. Because here's what the king understood. Was that as soon as his crippled legs got under the table, he looked just like all of his other kids. The church is the table that allows the cripple to sit at the king's table. Ha! We are the ones that if you will allow God to use you, it won't matter the color of their skin. It won't matter the, uh, the level of their degrees. It won't matter their societal level. It won't matter whether, whether they can give something or not. They are welcome at the table of the church. Because the king has called them. Praise God. I invite you to stand. I know this message is maybe just a little bit different. And there's really not a message that, you know, if you're here today and you haven't connected to this church, I invite you to connect to this church. Somebody asked us recently, well, what do I have to do to become a member of the church? Show up. Get involved. 
Listen, it's not my job to say who can be a member of a church. That's a God thing. All I can do is make sure that the table is set, the food is prepared, if you'll just come on in and sit down. Well, pastor, I'm not good enough. I don't care. The table's still got an empty seat. You might as well eat. Well, pastor, I really don't, I don't know anything about Jesus. You will. I, 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 I can't sit down and do a Bible study with somebody. I can't tell somebody how to, to live. I can't do any of that. So what? That's why there's other members of the body. You, you might just be the spleen. And I don't know what it's for, but if God created it in the body, there was a reason for it. I, I'm just telling you, I, I don't mean to be rude, but I, I'm sick and tired of people saying, well, I just can't do it because of this, this, and this. It doesn't matter about this, this, and this because this is that. I have poured out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see visions. Your young men shall dream dreams. It's all about him anyway. This is just his body. Listen, huh? there is an anointing right now that's just swept into this room. Somebody has been questioning their value to the family. My God, you're a part of the family of God. You are chosen. You are royalty. You are perfected by him. You are placed in the family by him, not by me. God has called you and chosen you. I silence the enemy's voice right now that is whispering into somebody's spirit. Well, you're not good enough. Pastor's talked about it, but you, you won't fit. You're, you're not like anybody else. You've got a backstory. You've got a history. Let me just tell somebody today, all of history is his story. He's writing it. He's creating it. He's ministering to it. He's directing it. He's standing behind the scenes and giving you the cues. He's putting it all into motion. You might as well just begin to act like his kid. The church, the church, the church triumphant. Can I tell you it's the reason why the enemy fights the church so bad? Because the church is the express image of the Lord in the world today. It's where you gather your strength from. And if he can keep you away from your strength, he'll keep you bound up, tied up, and tangled up. But the minute you connect to a local assembly, the beginning when you begin to attach yourself to a group of people that are called out unto God, you release the bonds. Listen, I tell you this not to pat ourselves on the back, and I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, we don't do this because we're pastors, but it has been our practice our entire married life that we plan everything around a Sunday. I love whoever posted it that Sundays in church should be the reason you miss everything else. 
not the other way around. Listen, we bl- I know people have to be gone from time to time. I understand that. But when it becomes a practice, I can honestly say with the exception of maybe sickness that my wife and I have missed church one time, one Sunday a year for the last 20 years. Because we practice what I'm saying. My vacations are planned Monday to Saturday or Sunday afternoon to Saturday. We do our very best. Listen, please don't take that as a statement of judgment. I'm not asking anybody just to forget all of that. Here's what I'm saying is, you are important. And when you're not here, we feel it. Well, Pastor, I don't teach, I don't sing. I just kind of sit in the back corner. You're part of the body. The blood pumps through you too. Mm. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Mm. There is a depth of the glory of God here right now. And it's not because of my preaching. And it's not because of our worship and our singing. That weight of his glory right now is because we're the church. And where two or three gather, there he is in the midst of us. For this is the mystery. Christ in us. The hope of glory. The church is the hope of glory. That's how important you are. It's the reason why Trish and I don't take lightly our calling and our opportunity and blessing to be the pastor of this church. We don't take it for granted. We love you all so very much. Can I just tell you one of the best days, you can open your eyes again, of my pastorate in the last couple of years? We took and went to Chili's over in Blaine. And we're eating there. And out of the corner of my eye, I see somebody walking down the side of the restaurant. And it's Jamie. And, and so we wave and we say, but little, is it Mahalia? I can't say her name. Malia. Out of the blue, she came running around the corner, ran up to me and gave me a hug and said, hello, Pastor. Can I tell you why that means so much? Because she's part of the body. Our 
our kids are even getting it, folks. Our kids are getting what the church is all about. So let's be the church. Let's be the church. Jesus, 